Good morning, and welcome to the Virginia Interfaith Center for Public Policy's live weekly broadcast. I'm Roberta Oster, the Communications Director. Our weekly program brings the expertise and perspective of Virginia's faith leaders, legislators, policy experts, public servants, and community activists. We focus on economic, racial, social, and environmental justice issues. We also share resources and opportunities for you to get involved in our work advancing social justice and helping our neighbors. Our program keeps you up to date and keeps our elected officials accountable. And this is an interactive broadcast. We encourage you to please ask questions on Facebook and Twitter live during the show. Today, we focus on a critical issue of voting during the pandemic. We have wonderful guest, Jessica, who is the Deputy Commissioner for Elections for the Virginia Department of Elections. And we had scheduled Bishop Dwayne Royster of Faith in Action, but he had an emergency and cannot be with us today. We hope to have him on in the near future. I am pleased to introduce my colleague, Dora Muhammad, who is our moderator. Dora is the Congregation Engagement Director for the Virginia Interfaith Center for Public Policy. Jessica Bowman, Dora Muhammad, welcome to the broadcast, and I'm pleased to see you. Thank you, Roberta. Thank you, Jessica, for joining us today. Thank you for everyone who is online to talk about this very serious subject, voting in the pandemic and also in a time of protest in our country. Um, at the Virginia Interfaith Center, we're about to kick off Civic Summer as a part of our Faithful Citizens Program, which is a year long program focused on civic engagement. But we're really gonna do something special during the summer and today is the last day to sign up. We're gonna be integrating the census, but a lot of voter education, a lot of get out the vote strategy, planning and voter registration for the upcoming primary on June 23rd. So with us today, I'm very delighted. Um, Jessica, if you can just talk about what your priority role is, um, and actually, sorry, the priority, your top priority in your role in the upcoming primary and also the general election. Sort of what is, what do you have your hand in that is upfront? Sure, um, thank you, Dora, and thank you so much for having me on this morning. Um, once again, I'm the Deputy Commissioner of the Virginia Department of Elections. We oversee um, the administration and uniformity of elections uh, throughout the Commonwealth. Uh, the mission of the department, whether it is a primary, a general election, a special election, and whether five uh, people are voting or five million people are voting, is always to have safe, fair, and secure elections. Um, that is always our mission that has not changed. Uh, COVID-19 has made that mission a bit more challenging um, as it has made everyone's mission a bit more challenging. But that is really what we are um, focused on for the primary and for the general election as, as we always are. And I look forward to discussing the details on how we accomplish uh, those items. Yes. And so one of the things before we go into the questioning, I wanted to talk about because it really was in response to um, the pandemic. One of the priorities for Virginia Interfaith Center and a lot of our advocacy partners is really encouraging people to vote by mail using the absentee ballot. So I just wanted to go through 
um, the different things because I have my absentee ballot here. So I wanted to take the time before mailing it in to actually show our audience sort of what you get. This is my first time voting by mail. So I was very, very impressed. Um, so the first thing that you'll get that you'll see when you open up your package is the instructions. There's instructions that outline sort of what literally you're supposed to read the instructions before you start voting. But they have things that you do, but you, how are you supposed to mark it? And then there's a checklist that you have before um, you make sure you mail it off. So there's things that you do in a proper procedure and we'll go through it. So in your ballot, you'll get. It's actually sealed. So they say don't open it because there is a witness requirement. So you're not supposed to open your ballot until you have someone present that can witness you completing it and they sign it as well. So on the back of the ballot, you'll see it is sealed. The back of the ballot is sealed. There you go. So the back of the ballot is sealed. And so I was very impressed with that. So they make sure you do not open it. After you open it and complete your ballot, there's a separate envelope that you actually complete a statement. And in the statement at the bottom, you sign it along with your witness. You put your ballot inside of this envelope and then you put it back. They have a, a a mailing envelope for you that contains a scan. It has your address, but then above it has a, a bar that's scanned and tracked, which is very unique for Virginia. So if you're hesitant about putting your uh, ballot in the mail, they actually have a, co a, a tracking scan, which is really, really helpful to ease you in voting by mail. So I just wanted to kind of run through that. One of the things I did want to mention, um, ask you, Jennifer, Jessica, I know the ACLU and the League of Women Voters had a lawsuit um, requiring the Department of Elections to remove the witness signature. Can we just talk about that? I know um, whether or not it will be effective for the primary or the general election, whereas because of COVID and people having to shelter at home, the reason was people won't necessarily, not necessarily everyone has someone in the home to witness them completing their ballot. So this kind of removes one of the barriers. Can you talk about that and sort of when that's supposed to go into effect? Sure. Um, as you stated, we had um, judicial action by uh, the League of Women Voters and the ACLU regarding the witness requirement. Uh, we entered into a consent decree um, that removes the witness requirement if you do not feel safe uh, getting a witness or if you are unable to do so for the primary only at this point. So for June 23rd, um, if you are sheltering at home by yourself uh, or you are quarantined, uh, you do not have to have that witness requirement. Your ballot will be counted uh, once you send it in, even if that is not filled out. Um, that litigation is ongoing. So as it stands right now, witnesses are required for November but that certainly could change as the litigation moves forth. Expecting a ruling in that? Uh, we do not um, have a date. Um, I also think it may depend on, you know, uh, current conditions on the ground and how COVID-19 uh, progresses or not progresses through, through the summer. And then before I move on, because we had a whole lot of voting reforms, I just kind of want to run through for our audience. Can you also talk about um, the actual reason for requesting your absentee ballot? Um, that was very unique here that Virginia is allowing that a lot of states have, have not implemented due to COVID, but Virginia does allow it for the primary. 
Yeah, so as soon as as soon as COVID started, um, we realized that people would be safer uh, voting by absentee. Um, currently, right now, you, there is one of 20 reasons that are required uh, to vote absentee. Uh, that goes away July 1. And I know we're going to talk about that momentarily, but we gave the guidance um, that a voter could say, uh, utilize the reason uh, my uh, disability or illness um, to prevent them for, from COVID. They may have COVID and not know they have COVID, um, those type of items. So everyone can request a ballot. Um, online. Uh, I'll go ahead and plug the deadline to do that the 16th. So uh, please do that sooner rather than later. If you have your ballot, uh, please mail it in sooner rather than later. So to make sure it uh, arrives in a timely fashion. And I saw a question come up from Ann Murphy, and uh, uh, she's our chapter leader in Northern Virginia. And she asked, are absentee ballots the same for all voting districts in the Commonwealth? Um, so what's on your ballot will differ, of course, about what congressional district you are in, for instance, um, et cetera. So what is on your ballot is different. Um, just like it would be voting in person, but requesting it is the same process for for everyone. And then before before we move on to the other voting um, reforms, has the administration considered mandating the option for the general election where all um, eligible voters will receive a request to vote by mail um, sent to them? Um, like the like the applications, um, we are looking into options, um, whether it be applications or um, postcards that give that information. Uh, some local governments have done that. Um, they did that for their main municipal elections. So we are looking into that. Um, it does cost quite um, a bit of money. So we're also looking at other ways to get that message out, um, whether it's through digital messaging, um, third party groups like yourself, um, and providing outreach materials uh, for you to have to spread to your um, constituents. Very good. So I wanted to talk about a few, and I had to write them down because there were so many, honestly. <laughs> Um, so excuse me for looking down, but this past General Assembly, our state legislators uh, enacted um, quite sweeping voting reforms to make it easier to vote here in Virginia. Um, one of the main things that I know that we discussed um, that all of these will be effect not for the primaries, but for the general election. So I just wanted to make sure that if there's any clarity you want to bring on any of the things that I mentioned, Jessica, feel free to do so. But we have repealed the voter ID. So when you come to vote, when you present on-site voting, you no longer have to present your photo ID. There's same-day registration, so you can register to vote on election day and vote um, at the same time. They're implementing an early voting period, which is new prior to this um, legislation. There was only two ways to vote, absentee or the day of. So now there's early voting, which is a third option, which is great. There's several states who do that. Election day 
is now a holiday here in the Commonwealth of Virginia, which is great. So then folks do not have to lose wages by taking the day off or taking time off to go and vote, which in effect, honestly, is like a poll tax. Um, and then there's no excuse absentee voting that we met, that we talked about. And then the last one, which I thought was really, really good, right now, currently with the Department of Motor Vehicles, if you, um, any sort of photo ID changes that you make, you usually have to opt in to say you want to register to vote. And so this new law is passed that says, actually, if you're doing any kind of transaction with the DMV with your photo ID, you are automatically registered to vote as well as your address is automatically updated if you're moving and sort of you apply for a new license instead, unless you opt out. So it actually reverses um, the relationship with the DMV and voter registration, which is great. So is there any kind of thing out of all of those reforms that you wanna sort of highlight that people may not understand um, the specifics of? Yeah, sure. So just two quick points. Um, the same day voter registration, that does not go into effect until 2022. Um, so that will not be in effect for November and the regular voter registration deadlines will still be in effect. Um, the second one about photo ID, when you do show up to a polling place, you uh, will be asked to present a photo ID or um, something that proves your residency, such as a utility bill, um, a lease, et cetera, if you don't have a photo ID. If you have neither of those documents, you can sign an affidavit uh, swearing you are who you say you are under penalty of law um, and cast a regular ballot. Uh, the difference in that process is now, if you show up without a photo ID, you vote a provisional ballot and then have to take action later uh, to provide your photo ID uh, in an effort for your vote to count. So you still will be asked for a photo ID. You should still take one to the polls or a residency document. However, we have expanded access for individuals who do not have those type of documents or may forget, et cetera, to be able to sign an affidavit and cast a regular ballot. Uh, so the voter has to, you know, no longer has to take additional action. Um, so just two minor clarifications. No, thank you. That's why you're here. Wonderful. <laughs> and so I uh, just sort of uh, further along talking about reforms. A lot of people think that enacting those kinds of um, pieces of legislation actually weakens our electoral process and makes the system vulnerable and sort of like a lack of integrity. What is the position of the Department of Elections in terms of all this sort of this big voting reform package that was passed this year? Sure. So when Governor Northam um, took office two years ago, one of his top 10 goals was expanding access um, to voters, to the ballot box. Um, and this type of legislation does exactly that. Uh, we do not believe it. Um, you know, affects the integrity of voting. Um, there is very, very little voter fraud that occurs and election fraud that occurs. Um, once in a while, does it happen? Sure. But, you know, we have uh, laws about a lot of things and people choose to break those laws. Elections are uh, no different. So expanding access to the ballot box has been um, a goal of this administration. Um, since taking office. Um, also, some of this 
is just uh, modernization, right? So everyone voting in the same 12 hour period doesn't make a lot of sense. And we're one of the few states that still did that. Um, so expanding that timeline to make lines shorter, to make it um, easier for people that, uh, you know, do have to work that may not get election day off or that have children. Um, it just doesn't from an administrative point of view, no matter uh, the what side of the aisle you're on, um, I think we can all agree it makes more sense uh, when you have five and a half million people doing the same thing at one time. Uh, they don't do it in a 12 hour period. That's great. That is great. And let's also look at it from the public health um, um, perspective as well, especially in the light of the pandemic. You know, shorter lines means smaller crowds, means safer spaces. So that also is sort of why we're encouraging people to request your absentee ballot. As a reminder, this coming Tuesday is your deadline to have them receive your request. So go online right now if you haven't done it and do it. Um, well, can you talk about the actual safety precautions, the health and safety precautions that voters can expect if they are going to be voting on site at a polling location? Sort of what things should that should they be aware of that should be done within their polling location and what things should they do to protect their health and the health of the poll workers? Sure. Um, so the Commonwealth has provided localities uh, with PPE. So we uh, have sent all localities uh, masks, gloves, hand sanitizer, uh, disinfectant, face shields, um, all of those things uh, to help protect officers of election uh, interacting with, with the public. Um, there is also, uh, you will see when you go into a polling place, uh, social distancing signage. There may be signs on the floor as uh, are at a lot of establishments these days, reminding you to you know stand six feet back from the person in front of you. Um, we also have partnered with the Medical Reserve Corps and they have over a thousand volunteers that will be helping us on June 23rd. Uh, these are public health experts so they will be there to um, help sanitize after voters leave um, as they come in. And that way our election officials can focus on the election. Uh, and we have experts in the field uh, helping us keep things safe. Uh, for voters who choose to go in person uh, to vote, we uh, you know, strongly recommend you wear a mask to protect yourself and others around you. Um, and remember those social distancing guidelines. Uh, we also recommend you vote at off peak times. So, you know, usually when you go vote, uh, it's busy in the morning at lunch and in the evening. So if you can make it uh, mid morning or in the afternoon, so it would be less of a crowd, that would be helpful. Uh, also stressing uh, hand sanitizing before uh, you come in and once you go out of of the polling place. Um, and then also uh, coming to the polling place by yourself if possible. Um, a lot of people love to bring their children um, to, to vote um, and we encourage that and love that usually. Uh, but of course, in this time of COVID, um, it's easier the less people you have in a place. Um, you may also see a limit on the number of people in a voting 
uh, in a polling location. So you may see people uh, standing outside. Uh, some localities have decided to do drive-through voting. So you vote from your car, um, which is really creative. So all of these things are, are in effect, but we really encourage you to vote by mail so you don't have to worry about any of these things. Um, if you change your mind, um, get your ballot and you're like, actually, I want to go in person. Uh, we uh, ask that you bring your absentee ballot with you. It will help the um, process once you get there. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, I'm looking for um, maybe resources. And if we have to create it, we will. But you outlined a whole host of safety precautions that I think people really need to be aware of. So I appreciate that. Um, so everyone, of course, because of COVID, was concerned earlier this year when the Wisconsin primary was held. But I think this past week, um, what happened in Georgia's primary elections raised a lot of alarm bells around voter suppression. Um, so there's a few things I want to highlight. And again, this is something that there's so many, I have a list. So excuse me for looking down, but I'm going to read them. So the one thing I was informed of, Georgia did not have um, a continuity of operations plan. So that means if for whatever reason, um, the, the office had to shut down or the staff couldn't get access, sort of, do you have an alternative location? Do you have an alternative staff? And so what happened was there was outbreaks of COVID in two of the largest counties in Georgia. One of the commissioners for that, those, that county said, actually everything that could go wrong happened and went wrong. And so that is even from just internally. So with those two outbreaks, those offices had to close and so they didn't bring any of the absentee ballots with them. And so when you had heard the stories of the hundreds of voters who didn't receive their absentee ballots in time, this was one of the reasons why. Um, there was people who were calling and leaving messages. They didn't get return calls for like three days. There was no message left saying why the office was closed. So that was a huge deterrent for people actually exercising voting by mail. Those that did show up, I had a friend who showed up and had to wait an hour and a half, then be told they had to go to another location because the workers couldn't have find the keys to the location to get into the machines. They couldn't find the manager. And so just and so there was multiple stories about that uh, locations opening late, um, machines not working. Some polling locations didn't have machines. It was a lot. It was, as they said, one of the um, voters said it was a hot mess. And I think the other thing that happened was they replaced a lot of machines, and but then the state didn't provide training for the workers on if there were problems with machines, sort of how to troubleshoot that for voters. So with all of that, some people had to wait in line for four to seven hours. So I'm praying that we're able to not have that happen in Virginia. So can you, Jessica, talk about some of the pre preventions that um, Virginia has put in place. Do you all have a continuity of operations um, plan in place and other things that I may not have touched upon? Sure, so those are all great questions. Um, and of course, you know, s standing in line for seven hours to vote um, is just heartbreaking in, in so many ways. So, couple of quick things about what we are doing and some of which we have all already done. 
the continuity of operations, we call it a COOP, C-O-O-P, um, and we have done that for years now. Um, we, you never know what's going to happen on election day. Uh, we've had an earthquake in Virginia on election day. We've had bad weather on election day. Um, you saw in Tennessee um, earlier this year, they had tornadoes the night before election day, right? So anything can go wrong. Um, we are engaged with multiple agencies, federal and statewide, um, to plan if something goes wrong. Everyone from the Department of Homeland Security to the SCC, if there is a power outage at a polling place, we can have um, a utility provider prioritize that and get out there and turn the power back on. Uh, road construction, all these things we plan and plan and plan for. Um, so we have those meetings with all those agencies on a regular basis. We are in constant contact with them on election day. They get up with us at 5 a.m. and stick with us till, till we're done. So we are fortunate to have um, great partnerships that we have had for years to plan for, you know, the perfect storm, so to speak. Um, so, you know, uh, hope for the best and prepare for the worst. I will say the second thing that really distinguishes Virginia from Georgia um, is that we vote on paper. Uh, paper is is tried and true. And if a machine doesn't work, if the power goes out, you can always get a piece of paper and an ink pen and allow people to, to vote. Um, so that is... Um, you know, something that happened years ago um, and that we think was a great decision as before this administration. But voting on paper leaves a paper trail. It's audible. It's safe. It's secure. Um, and so, you know, with machines, a lot can go wrong. Uh, also, I think something that I've heard from Georgia that happened is those uh, touchscreen machines, they also had to sanitize them, right? You would want them sanitized in light of COVID. Um, and you would have to wait five minutes, right? Like, COVID, you know, things don't just, germs don't die in an instant. Um, yeah. So if you think about that, even if things, you know, you had all the election officials in the world, um, sanitizing something and waiting five minutes before the next person can go in is just inherently going to cause problems. Um, and, you know, is that anyone's fault? I'm not sure. But, you know, things like that, uh, we are not having to having to worry about um, in, in the Commonwealth. I will say election officials, it has been a challenge. Um, if you think about when you go vote in person, uh, most of those election officials are in the vulnerable population as far as age goes. Um, so we have had a great recruiting effort um, from the administration to state employees, um, from college presidents to college students and college professors, um, even high school students that are 18 or uh, can serve as pages to help set up. Um, so we've really had a valiant effort to make sure we have enough staff for, for our polling places. Um, I would also encourage people if they want to get involved uh, for the November election, we can always use more. Um, and you can find out more information on our website. Thank you. And that actually is one of the things we um, encourage as part of our Faithful Citizens Program. We do have information about that. Um, and one thing before we go, I wanted to ask you, um, 
so in preparing for our civic summer, we were going to be doing um, some phone banking in some of the low voter turnout precincts in Virginia. And in looking at that data, um, we, I saw literally it was like 10,000 like precincts, like they had 10,000 or more voters who were set to be removed because they hadn't been, um, they hadn't voted in the past four elections. So I did wanna highlight for the audience that again, Virginia is very unique in that most states remove you automatically, they're called purges from the vote, from the voting rolls. If you don't vote in three elections, three consecutive federal elections, they'll remove you if you don't vote in the fourth election. And in Virginia, I believe it's the fifth election. Is that correct? Yeah, so we um, do try to give voters as uh, many chances as possible before we uh, remove them from the rolls. Uh, they get notifications in the mail, um, but we do under, we also work with USPS uh, when people move to try to get some of that data and along with uh, data sharing with, with other states. Um, but some people only participate in presidential years. Um, even though, you know, I always say all politics is local, um, but, you know, there are those people who choose to do so. So we always recommend that you uh, go online and check your voter registration to make sure it's up to date, to make sure you know where your polling location is because it could have moved. Um, and to make sure all, everything is there. If it's not, of course, you can you can register to vote. But if you haven't voted since 2016, uh, we would definitely recommend you do so. Thank you. And with that, that is sort of the big plug to get out to vote. So check your, you heard it from Jessica, check your polling location, make sure you're active, request your absentee ballot and get out and vote. Are there any last thoughts that you want to share, Jessica, to encourage people to get out the vote before um, we close? Um, I would just like to thank you and uh, thank Virginia Interfaith Center for having me here today. Uh, once again, if you have your ballot, please, please mail it in soon or you can drop it off at your registrar's office. Um, if you have not requested one, go right now and do that. Um, you know, USPS can take some time these days, um, especially with COVID. So the sooner you get it done, uh, the better. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Jessica. And so before we leave, I wanna give one last plug for our civic summer. This is the last day. We do still have a few um, spots available on our regional teams. We have five teams for the regions across the Commonwealth. Um, definitely as congregations, you still can sign up as well. Um, but before we go, I have a personal thought regarding the right to vote. So this is the 150th year of the ratification of the 15th Amendment, which gave the right to vote to black men. Black women were left out of that equation. And so we became part of the suffrage movement for the 19th Amendment, which gave the women the right to vote in this country. And that was passed 50 years later in 1920. But in between those 50 years, you know, black women faced the difficult challenge of advocating for the ratification of the 15th Amendment, even though it didn't apply to us, but then also having to be asked to um, work towards advocating for the ratification of the 19th Amendment while being excluded from a lot of the white suffragist meetings and conferences. 
And so we established as black women our own clubs to advocate in between this space. And honestly, a lot of at that time, it wasn't a civil rights, it became a human rights uh, passion for a lot of black suffragists. And I just believe that our vote holds a power. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been such a deliberate, prolonged determination to suppress it. And I also think that in the current climate, when we're examining racial justice, that the fight for the right to vote reveals the most uniquely vulnerable intersection that Black women inhabit. We are the cornerstone of achieving racial equity in this country. And so before I go, I wanted to quote one of our Black suffragists of that time, Mary Church Terrell. She said, surely nowhere in the world do oppression and persecution based solely on the color of the skin appear more hateful and hideous than in the capital of the United States. Because the chasm between the principles upon which this government was founded, in which it still professes to believe, and those which are daily practice under the protection of the flag, yawn so wide and deep. Want us to reflect on that. In those words, let us not make our vote fall into that chasm. Please, I encourage you, get out and vote. Thank you. As always, stay informed, stay inspired, and stay connected. Have a good day. Thank you, Jessica.